electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Stocks do look to extend some losses after the worst day for the Dow in a couple of weeks. Retail sales, best print since September, has the 10-year around 412. That's about a one-month high. Our roadmap begins with Jamie Dimon's economic warning, saying he is cautious for 2024. Plus, shares of Boeing, they continue to drop. They're down more than 20%. That's just since the beginning of the year. CEO Dave Calhoun heads to Spirit Aerosystems plant today. He's going to try and address quality control issues with that company. Plus, one name that's continuing to rally. Yeah, there it is, AMD. It's hitting close to uh, uh, its highest level since, highest close since 2021. This on, obviously, optimism related to uh, its efforts in AI. Let's begin with the markets. Uh, yields have been elevated today. Uh, central bankers around the world continue to push back on some market pricing, Jim. But this retail sales print control group, uh, best in about a year, is going to yeah, impact uh, Q4 GDP. Yeah, it's funny because we had some month number, a New York number yesterday. It was too weak. And when I saw this number, I said, maybe this is what we need to appease those who think we're about to go into a recession. So uh, we care tremendously about whether we're going to lose the, the soft landing. Uh, but we also, David, as you know, care that the tenure not go too far above four. So you've got this kind of push-me-pull union. I kind of like the retail sales because it was against the narrative that we're going to have a recession. Right. What do you think of that? Uh, I, I like it. Sure. I'm a buyer. You? Yeah, sure. That right, works good. for me. Okay. I think we can end the show now. Yeah, we'll, see put, Carl. we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, private credit likes my view. Pri- yeah. It's private credit's everything. Private credit is very large. Yes, we it is. We don't talk about it as nope, often. Nope, it's a runaway trade. Should. Runaway trade. Private markets have grown dramatically, enormously over these last, well, 10 years, certainly even the last three years. Right. Uh, and you're right. Um, it's important. People do wonder whether there's something coming there that will... You know, it's will, yeah, the, uh, the B of A fund manager economy. survey yesterday, private credit, number one risk. It's just incredible because when you meet a younger person now... It's not plastics. It's private credit. Exactly how do you mean? Yeah, I was with someone the other day uh, when I was in Kansas City. I said, what are you up to? Private credit. Private credit. Well, listen, they will tell you, of course, as we brought any number of the the people who run these firms on, that they take, they, you know, they underwrite extremely well. They're getting paid very well. They they do not distribute these loans broadly, so there's not broader risk. It's, and that they feel very comfortable with the risk that they are taking and the ownership they mm. have. And the funds just keep coming in, Jim. I know. You know That's I to the alternative asset managers. I mean, Blackstone's over right. a trillion now. We know that. Even though B-Reap was uh, With its insurer, of course, uh, funding so much of that. It, and it goes on from there. Brookfield, the size of right. these alternative asset managers is well, truly stunning. I, did, I mean, I know that's a pivot from retail sales, but I, I wanted to make it the point because when I listen to gold, when I look at the Morgan Stanley quarter, the Schwab quarter, I realize, look, if you're in trading, high-frequency trading wrecks your margins. If you're in 
investments, even uh, if you're in private equity, private credit has supplanted how you make your money. So you're listening to the CEO of Goldman and you're thinking, well, where, where's the niche? Well, yeah. it's in bagging elephants, wealth management. I mean, yeah. they, they've yep. just been carved up. All the great things that you wanted out of the banks. That's why their multiples are so low. That's true. No, I mean, listen, Blackstone, $143 billion market value. Steve Schwartzman was a guest on, yes. uh, on Squawk Box as well. But it's an argument to be made much more important in many ways than okay. some of these other firms. So here's the key question, Carl. When you're with a brilliant young person, man, woman, doesn't matter. Uh, you say Goldman or Blackstone? Most of them say Blackstone. Hmm. Really interesting. That is it. it is interesting. Having just spoken to, heard from uh, Solomon on Squawk yes. Box this morning, which we'll get to. Uh, the Dow, though, is going to be pulled lower by Boeing this morning, down pre-market, and we got some breaking news on it as well. Let's get to Phil LeBeau. Morning, Phil. Good morning, Carl. The FAA announcing that it has completed inspections of 40 737 MAX 9 planes that were grounded. Remember on Friday, the uh, agency said, look, we're going to take 40 of these 171 aircraft that are grounded. We're going to do an inspection of the fuselage door plug on those aircraft, and then we'll take the results and analyze them. Well, the inspections are now done. The FAA says it will now analyze those results. No timeline for when it will announce what came out of these inspections and when we might see those grounded MAX 9s return to service Remember that today you will see Mike Whitaker, who the uh, FAA administrator, he's going to be along with the chair of the NTSB briefing the Senate Commerce Committee behind closed doors. So we won't get a readout in terms of what he tells them about the current FAA investigation. Meanwhile, you've got Boeing CEO Dave Calhoun in Wichita, Kansas. He will be addressing employees at Spirit Aerosystems along with the CEO of Spirit, Pat Shanahan, this is going to be similar to what we heard when uh, Dave Calhoun was talking with Boeing employees in Renton, Washington last week. So that's where things stand when it comes to the MAX. Guys, I would not expect a decision in terms of here are the inspection protocol, process. here's the process, fix them, get them back in the air. I would be surprised if we get that before next week. I think we're looking at next week or the week after, depending on what these results show. If these results are really, really bad, then it's a whole different ballgame. Wait, so these 40 planes were fixed, so to speak, already? Or they tightened the bolts or they did whatever they needed to do, and now the FAA takes a look at that? They inspected them, David. That doesn't mean that they fixed them. So okay. what the FAA will do is say, okay, we wanted to see what's, what, what's the state of the, the, the 171 MAX 9s that are grounded. So they picked these 40 planes, 25 from United, 15 from Alaska, randomly picked them. They wanted a statistical sample that they could say, we're pretty confident this tells us what kind of work was done on the MAX 9 fuselage door plug. Now they will analyze the results. Then they will put out a protocol process for, or a pro protocol, I should just say, just to the airlines for this is what needs to be done in order to ensure that they are safe to fly. Now, Phil, let me ask you, this is instantly being viewed as positive. Uh, did people expect that the inspections would take much longer? Is that why someone might say, well, this is the good news no, here, Paul? Jim, I think, I, think the, I think the market is taking this as positive news that, A, it's a step forward in terms of, okay, we have something that's been finished here, even though we don't know the outcome here. And, B, I've heard from more than a few uh, investors who have said, look, I think ultimately they're going to realize that this is a manufacturing quality escape that is not widespread, and I'm making a bet on Boeing. 
That's just conjecture at this point. We don't know if that's the case. We don't know. This might be, look, they might have opened up all 40 planes and said, wow, this is a bigger problem than we thought it was. So at this point, this is investors, I think, perhaps saying, we think this is going to be the near-term bottom for Boeing. Right. Whether or not they're right or wrong, you, it's, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, interesting, Phil. Thank you. Uh, by the way, B of A today does cut Boeing from the U.S. one list. Mm-hmm. These comments, Jim, from the Ryanair CEO, uh, we have been loud in our complaints about the lack of quality control of Boeing over the last two years. It's not acceptable that aircraft get delivered at less than 100 percent. Yeah, look, I think it's true. That channel's been outspoken uh, in part, I think, because they just are such a huge client. They can have that ability to say it. David, when you see some sort of um, a, a stock bounce like this, that's just people, I think, who are just saying, oh, shoot, maybe the short isn't as good as I thought. And in the end, there's only two of these, and Airbus doesn't have any planes, so it's time to start rebuilding a position. Right. You know, it's kind of lesser of situations. Well, you, but you can, listening to what Phil said, there is a certainly... There's a I path. Mean, yeah, there's a path. There's now exactly. a path, yeah. Exactly. But I, I, Dave, I'm going to reach a conclusion. I think David may actually like this quote. If, if your company's named Spirit, don't own it. <laughs> Don't get involved with spend anything a, named spend Spirit. Spirit. a bad month for companies with Spirit. The, uh, yeah, in it's the got Spirit in it. Yeah, Spirit in the sky. I'm getting along that one until yeah. taking uh, that one down. Spirit, maybe. obviously, uh, the stock of which that the discount carrier came down sharply yesterday <laughs> when a judge said no. Boy, that was a big surprise. I can't believe I mean, it. We went out here over and over again and said Jonathan Cantor's going to win that case. Obviously. Remember, this is... Uh, this is a serious guy. He's in, he is in charge of antitrust for the Justice Department, which still is, I'm told, very significant, the Justice Department. Yeah. And he's adamant. And th- th- that, that office let everybody know, look, we, we are tired of airline mergers. Right. And the country's tired of airline mergers. But the arbitrageurs were not tired of airline mergers. No, well, I don't know how many. I think there were plenty who were short-spirit as well, who were oh, really? believers in the fact that this deal would not be acceptable. Uh, both to the antitrust regulators and to the to uh, to the courts, uh, which has been the case. We'll see what they yeah. choose to do. Obviously, JetBlue did go up on this, uh, but Spirit plummeted uh, because there's it hasn't made money in quite some time. The price was far above what it certainly would command in the market, so there was a large spread there, Jim. And there right. were not too many risk arbs that were truly involved here, okay, from my understanding. In fact, many may have been the other way, betting that it would get turned down. Oh, right. As we had said numerous times, well, when they finally pried them away from Frontier, remember, Jeff, right. with uh, the promise of a $400 million uh, reverse break fee. Um, no, you got that dead, dead right. So the stock shouldn't have been, in, you know, anyone who was in that just was defying common sense. I would never flown to West Palm from... Uh, from newer. <laughs> uh, I assume you don't have high hopes for Alaska Hawaiian. Uh, I think that that's a, a, an Ill, ill-conceived situation because that's about making it so that prices go higher. And the Justice Department, I mean, you cannot. Jonathan Canner is a serious Paul Weiss attorney who is used to winning cases and only brings cases I think that he knows he's got a pretty good chance to win. And I don't think that the judiciary has is any different from anybody else. They've seen that the mergers you know, took air, took airfares up in this country. I mean, that's what happened. Take a look at the one, one of the things that's intractable for the Fed, airfares. That said, is it beneficial if Spirit, if Spirit goes bankrupt? No, and that's the Rite Aid problem. If Rite Aid goes bankrupt, doesn't Walgreens do even better? Right. 
uh, and that certainly seems to be at least a possibility. It's a possibility, absolutely. And you're, you're right. You represent it's a scheme. Like we haven't seen airlines go bankrupt plenty of times. No, Eastern Air. No, you're absolutely right. Eastern. I just feel How like about that. Braniff? Braniff went, what, four times? Three times. Braniff had that. Braniff. He's doing a little price fix there. <laughs> but I do think that, that it's common sense when you say, listen, we're not going to approve any of these deals. And then you go ahead and do a deal. Like, why would you, in the face of Jonathan Cantor, say, you know what? I'm not taking you at your word. I'm going to do the deal anyway. I mean, that's just... If, if all that's true, why is Solomon, for example, so uh, gung-ho on the M&A environment right now? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of deals that can be like what we have with Synopsis. It doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah, I mean, Airlines is, is challenged in terms of antitrust right from right. the get-go at this point because there was so much regret that they allowed the American deal. Right. Well, uh, that's what happened. I mean, I think occurred that... years we, ago, whereas I think... Industry- uh, the risk, Carl, to your point, is still there, both FTC and DOJ, right. for many deals that perhaps would not have been considered high risk. But as I've said a number of times, that seems to be fading as the key consideration for those who are uh, considering a deal. We're back right. to sort of the basics of can we agree on social issues right. and can we agree on price and can we get this thing to the finish line? I don't want to say in any way that regulatory risk is not significant. But CEOs seem much more determined now. Yeah, well, Bob Bradway, who I spoke to last week, was the CEO of Amgen, and they're merging with, with they finished the deal with Horizon. Horizon had great drugs, but not a lot of distribution. Amgen's got terrific distribution. It's got a lot of money to be able to make more. And they went in front of the FTC, and the FTC was against the deal. And then they listened to Bradway, and they decided, hey, Bradway's right. We're going to go with the deal. And that was the beginning of the floodgate, was when people realized, well, wait a second, if you approach them with a reasonable proposition, that said, we've got a couple out there still. And, I mean, uh, Amazon iRobot, we'll see if that yeah, ever that, can. By the way, the EU doesn't like it. I'm certain. I don't think Amazon, I mean, David, I don't think Amazon gonna, likes it either. Remember, you they got are the going to dominate. They're going to dominate the robot uh, <laughs> vacuum you, cleaner. Vacuum cleaner, and that is one thing that is unforgivable. I, mean, I want massive contribution. I want competition in that market. Given what's happened to that company, Amazon, they already cut the price. Amazon might be happy to have them. Stop. You know, they've been arguing, and then, of course, they the Albertsons the deal that we've mop. talked about a lot. Which, I, I, you know, it's unclear when that's going to come up, but there's still a belief the FTC is going to go to court. We got Washington too. State uh, yesterday on that news. Yeah, right. I saw that. Yep. Um, Jim, not? really quick, 90 seconds before industrial production. This Waller speech yesterday uh, and his line that we don't necessarily need to cut as rapidly as we have in the past. Yeah, is that crushed. what sort of hurt <laughs> he, the, the afternoon? Yeah, he crushed the market. It was interesting. Both the... Dow, which David, of course, will acknowledge is atavistic, and the NASDAQ both went down, but then the MAG-7 went up. The MAG-7, Waller couldn't hurt the MAG-7. He couldn't. No. He took his shot and he failed. Everybody fails. Everyone fails. It's like, the Van, it's like the Van Wick. Well, you know, the you company, can't beat the Van Wick. You, you can't. Van Wick. The Van Wick. It's it's an old Seinfeld. Have you ever have you ever gone to Kennedy Airport? Has there ever not been traffic on the Van Van Wick? Just yo, you You can't can't get past the Van Wick. Can't beat the Van Wick. But I will I will say that people are start talking about the Mag Eight, but there were only seven people. AMD. Oh, really? Yeah. Because uh, B of A made note yesterday of uh, Broadcom catching up to Tesla's market cap. But we're stuck with they kept that AVGO symbol because Hawk liked the uh, Avago. He always liked that Avago. He did. Over half a trill. But it's still a ways away from Tesla. It's still a couple uh, hundred and, billion, 170 billion. billion. Yeah. Tesla's doing its That's best to come nothing. down. You could meet in between there. Thanks for that visual. Yeah. Meanwhile, we got retail sales under our belt, and we're not done today. A lot of Fed speak and industrial production. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Yes, we are awaiting the industrial production capacity utilization numbers. These are for December, of course, and they are hitting the wires as I speak, up one tenth of a percent on 
headline industrial production, the mere image of the down one-tenth of a percent we were expecting. And just to put that in perspective, uh, the number that we had in October was the weakest number going back to December last year at minus 0.9. So we have come up a bit. Now on utilization rates, expecting 78.7, very close to expectations, 78.6. The problem with that is, is 78.6 is... uh, a nice jump from where we were not that many months ago, but 78.6 is still pretty light when you consider we started out last year at 79.6. These numbers have been soft. Manufacturing has been on the soft side. What hasn't been soft is some of the inflation readings we're getting from Europe. We watched UK sovereign debt jump in yield. They've seen some real pops in some of their inflation numbers which really demonstrates that it isn't necessarily a linear path, which may make many here a bit nervous. Late revisions coming across the wires as last month's up two-tenths on industrial production now becomes unchanged. Squawk on the Street will return after a short break. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, we've got eight minutes before we get started uh, with trading here on uh, what Jim and I used to call hump day. It still right. is. We've got a Wednesday Well, it's here. a synthetic Thursday because we didn't have Monday. A synthetic Thursday. Yeah. Got it. That's right, what they always uh, said on the desk. Let's get your mad dash. You want to talk a little Netflix? Yes. One of the things that's happened so far this year is that when a stock starts going up, the analysts immediately say, oh, I've got a winner. So it's kind of like, let's, let's boil that one down. Uh, both key... And Bank of America are saying that Netflix is going to have better than expected numbers. Key is really key on membership growth. Bank of America is skewing. They're talking about international scale. The people want to deal with it. They have it. The other guys don't. Uh, so that's just another reason why people want to just follow the crowd here and buy what has now become the favorite of the old fang. It is. Well, it's that. Yeah. You hear this a lot now. They won. Netflix won. Now, they I did don't, win. Not, right. I mean, OK, so I, I didn't see them in Kansas it's, City. It's <laughs> them and everybody else fighting for number two. Right. Uh, obviously, global scale is one of the, the key benefits it they is. have. And right. their ability to roll things out. Around and younger the world. people like not subtitles. To mention, produce things in other countries and yep. even bring them yep. back over here. You know, I can't, sometimes when I can't hear the subtitles, it's very difficult for me. Yes, got to have the subtitles a lot, particularly even with accents these days. Well, I'll tell you one, one thing. People, when you get together, they're still talking about some show that was on Netflix, number one in the country. I, I still, I don't hear people talk about Hulu, but maybe they do. And what I think really attests to the power of Netflix is the fact that you can run old shows on Netflix that didn't do particularly well, a la, let's, Suits. 
for example. Suits is always up there in the top level. that it will suddenly become a hit. Right. As a result of it, the reruns being watched. Meanwhile, no one's talking about Reacher, Amazon. I think it's fantastic. Uh, Reacher. I love that guy. Right? Have you ever seen a larger individual no, on a he's, TV screen? No, and he's got, like, he's, he doesn't have a six-pack. He has, like, a nine-pack. I know. Yeah. He's just... I know. He's, and it's not it's not Bush. It's like... No. It, it's like Heine. The, the but, body Heine. count in Reacher is very high. Very high. Not in the actual books. In the actual books, people are beaten are to they? a pulp, but they don't die. Oh, they don't die. Yeah, he's just snuffing people no, he's out. Hands, oh, he's hands-on. He's <laughs> on your neck. All right, we got an opening bell a few minutes from now. Don't forget as well, you can catch us anytime and anywhere by listening to and following the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. Now is the time to embrace a new wave of workers. Every day, your team grows younger, more digital, and more drawn to entirely new ways of working, which means you need flexible solutions to connect them where business gets done. T-Mobile for Business was born digital. With America's largest 5G network, we can make it easier to work together from virtually anywhere. Your team may be changing, but with the right tech, it can be more productive than ever before. Get started at tmobile.com slash now. I think it's a mistake to assume that everything's hunky-dory. And, you know, and when stock markets are up, it's kind of like this little drug we all feel. Like, it's just great. You know? But remember, we've had so much fiscal and monetary stimulation. So I'm a little more on the cautious side that we are facing a lot of things in, 20, in 24 or 25. That's Jamie Dimon on Squawk this morning offering his outlook on the economy. Jim said, don't assume everything is, quote, hunky-dory with the U.S. economy. No, and I, I get that. And I think that he did present a little less perilous view. There was something I thought was misinterpreted by a lot of people this morning. I want to make this clear. He did not say, look, I think that Trump has a lot of good points. What he said was, please don't dismiss the people who vote for Trump's. Uh, he what, said what, Trump de- voters deserve respect. Right. This what, was his line. What, the aggrieved, what, how they're aggrieved, he, he thought made a lot of sense. And you know, there, I think there's some people who would say, well, what he did was endorse Trump. I think what he was saying was the Democrats should be a little more wary that there are people out there who have a very legitimate uh, gripe. And I thought it was very profound, and it was an interesting moment because I think the media has missed the fact that these people are angry about things. And I know there's a really good piece in The Atlantic yesterday, uh, Ronald Brownstein, which said that, look, the people cared, the media cared, and then they listened, they decided they didn't care what the people had to say. What he's saying is, look, immigration, how can you not be worried about it? China, how do you look at NATO? They don't pay their, their freight. And I thought that was a very considered view of why Why would you write these people's views I, off? I think the only thing missing from that conversation was any discussion of January 6th and any kind of peaceful transfer of power, the right. risk to that. Right. And that's absolutely true. And we don't have a, do have a 14th Amendment problem. But is there going to be a strict construction of the 14th, or are they going to be able to say, look, what matters, like what uh, Professor Snyder saying at Yale, is that we have to let the people decide. And he says that that's contrary to the way that the 14th meant what what was written initially about about insurrection. So I think that it's going to come down to, David, that what's going to happen is, is I think that the Supreme Court is going to rule that Trump has to be on the ballot. We have to let the people decide. But it is to dismiss... The voters of Trump, again, is a mistake. That's what he said. He did not say. There's, uh, there's still a lot of time between now and the election, but it is starting to figure into, without a doubt, uh, asset managers playbook for the remainder of the and year. And that's where I wanted to go, because why should we talk about it? Well, I think you talk about it because the, the, 
wealthy class does better in a Trump world. And that matters. Let's get the opening bell here in the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. At the big board, it's an OVID, an independent advertising and analytics platform at the NASDAQ Cryoport cold chain logistics services for life sciences. As uh, breath rolls in pretty negative, Jim, actually, yeah. some of the desk commentary today points to the election uh, as it pertains to the dollar's price action yesterday. Best day in about a year. Yeah, and if you believe Iowa means something, then it's going to have impact on the peso and tariffs will play into Absolutely. Currency. The peso has been pretty good. I, I don't want to see this because we're about to go into earnings season. So you'll have these companies that will say, look, uh, we basically we're forecasting the dollar would stay weak, but now we have to change our numbers. Uh, I keep thinking about Procter & Gamble said that the raw cost gain that they had was offset by the strong dollar, and then the dollar got weaker, and people started buying Procter at 143, 144. This is not the thesis. We don't want this thesis. We truly, truly want that dollar to stay weak against Mexico, a large trading partner, obviously. I mean, a strong dollar having its impact perhaps felt in energy. Jim Oil is trying to defend 70 again as OPEC rushes out their uh, demand forecast for next year. This is the level. I mean, my my oil expert, Carly Garner, my use for, for mad money, says this does hold. It's 70, 71 holds. But I think it's been pretty shocking to people, and they immediately want to relate it to, oh, well, China's GDP is not 5.4, it's 5.2. Uh, no, I, I think that what's happening again is the U.S. is flooding the world. Can people please understand that we have that ability? Why can't they understand that we just produce so much? And now Canada is going to have a new pipe, which is going to produce even more of oil that they can make so it's not so heavy. And I just don't think people realize that this continent's insanely uh, in, in, insanely rich with oil. And stop thinking about who's the consumption side and start thinking about the supply side. But they won't. They just won't. Uh, what's amazing is that the retail sales number would have been even better had we not had some of the declines in gasoline uh, that we've had well, within that number. Look, I, I deal a lot of retailers. This is obviously not an important month in retail. We have Burlington gotten an upgrade today. Burlington's doing pretty well. Still, the off-price guys are doing well. But you never repealed the Gap or, Met or Macy's, you know, some of those big gains we had. I'm seeing a lot of the gains that we had from November till the end of the year are slowly being repealed. Uh, you take a look at Schwab this morning, get a little repeal. Well, let's talk a bit about Schwab this morning. Uh, the company did report earnings. The stock is down about 6%. Jim, I'd obviously love to get your take. As we Listen, it's not a secret that uh, rising rate environment hasn't been particularly good for the company. Their, their commentary on it from the CFO is that, uh, that their financial performance during the uh, course of last year, 2023, reflected the challenges of navigating a market environment shaped by the Federal Reserve's pronounced interest rate tightening policy and the follow-on effects stemming from the regional banking crisis, of course, that took so place So total in net March. revenues were, we're down, down 9%, 9% versus prior year levels to $18.8 billion. But what else about this quarter, Jim, well, you is, know, when, is when catching you, people perhaps unaware? Well, I think, again, I, I, I saw this with Morgan Stanley, which did, I had a number that well, I, th- well, I thought people knew would be bad. But you've got uh, people, when they have the money, they just they don't really keep it there. They, you know, they journal it over to the high fees. So when money comes in, you just make nothing on it. So there's no leverage to this model. That's what happened. That's what Mr. Pick is going to have to deal with at Morgan Stanley. There's no leverage to getting these assets in. Now, Goldman Sachs is different because the assets came in and they were, they had the billionaire class. The billionaire class banks at, at Goldman. 
except for when they try to buy private credit. <laughs> you know, Carl, this Brookfield, Apollo, Blackstone, they're capable of doing whatever they want. They're not regulated the way that... Glad you finally got the memo on this. I've been, I've been chattering late. about it in your I'm left late. ear for it's, quite some time. Well, that's, that's the ear that's partially deaf. Uh, oh, it's the IFB sense. over the years <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it happens to people in TV. Um, uh, that said, Jim, Citizens managing a gain here this morning despite lower net interest income affecting Q4 profit. You know, that's interesting because that was one that was expected to miss... People thought that that one was just a sitting duck. And good for them. Good for them that they proved the naysayers wrong. Uh, that is, I think, a very responsible bank that at one point had like a 7% yield. I like the regionals more than I like the nationals. It just, I mean, the other day, PNC reported everybody on, and then you know, six guys raised their numbers PNC today. I think PNC is a very good bet here. 4%. Um, nice. We continue to see weakness in the um, EV market overall. Oh, Tesla, geez. obviously, by far the leader. Uh, and it is uh, the stock of which is down another 3.3% right now. It, it moves quickly during sessions, so we'll see how it performs. But it's down over 14%. Right. You no, see it it's bad. for this year, the one-year performance, that's 12 months, 62%. Year-to-date, there it is, down 14.3%. No, it's been the weakest of the um, of our mags. reports that they slashed the prices of their Model Y in Germany uh, after reducing the Model 3 and Model Y prices in China recently. Model Y, uh, the uh, top-selling automobile in the world, period. Right. Yes. Right? Oh, why? Yeah. In the United States, remember when we we had uh, Steve Deshawn from from Hearst, number one seller, so therefore he felt he had to have a lot of them. David, is it too early to buy Fisker? Uh, yes. Yes, I wouldn't advise that. By the way, it's still maybe too early to buy Rivian and too early to buy Lucid, both of which are, and I keep an eye on those, both of which are down over 5%. So I have to, you, they David, are not beneficiaries of this price There was study. a day when Lucid came public, and uh, David doesn't make these calls, but did he, he was askance. His arms were akimbo when we saw that Lucid at 50 uh, Rivian does get cut today over at Deutsche. Uh, they go to hold. Uh, they take their target down to 19. Oh, I, uh, I thought that Dara, was too hard. was on Squawk this morning uh, in, in Davos and did talk about the slowdown in EVs, which he says they, they do notice. Take a listen. We continue to lean forward, but we see the pullback. And, and I think that the key is that for us, we view electrification as good business, right? So when you look at our riders, about 40% of our riders now, for example, in the U.S., have been in an EV. And they love the product. Their average tips are higher for the drivers. So the drivers who got to an EV, our take rate is lower, so they're making more money from us. They're making more money because the tips are higher. And so both drivers and riders love what we're seeing. But then per Tesla, we've got to go out to OEMs and get them to lower prices and make it more and more affordable for drivers to make that switch. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, there's the drizzling news, which we didn't get to yesterday. Right. And then this wolf note that thinks that Uber and Cart might actually get oh, together. But that note, I mean, OK, so this note about David, they want uh, Everyone wants to be in the food business ledger. I was surprised they didn't throw in just say like Amazon wants to buy them too. But Instacart, we know, has not been all that well received. So suddenly you get a little M&A juice going and yeah. people will certainly go for that because people are, are looking for something new and different at the beginning of the year. Um, what do you think yeah, about playing uh, M&A, playing back I don't remember there. where Cart went public. Um, I would have thrown it in Amazon just well, to really get it going. Close the first, well, 
4295 was the for inter uh, num day number day one, one high. Yeah. high. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, on card. You can yeah. see 25 bucks. They do mention, says, competitive risks are rising as Dash, Uber, and Amazon are rapidly closing the product. I mean, look, when you do this stuff, which just says that somebody's going to merge with somebody else, it, David, there's no problem. You can just say it, and it doesn't happen. Nothing happens. And if you get it right, then suddenly uh, you're, you're you've star. got Zach Morrissey being a brilliant man. That's true. I we'll, didn't know Zach until, right, until he put he this out. properly predicted the merger <laughs> of Uber and Carts. Which, of course, we're kidding here. We don't have any. I've never. That's not something I've heard. Now, the Drizzly was interesting because I went to, to them on Drizzly. Drizzly was a very good acquisition, I thought. Uh, those of us, you know, my wife's in this liquor business, and Drizzly was the way that people would order uh, Fosforo. Yeah, right. But so much for that. And I thought that 1.1, I couldn't believe that they closed it so fast, but apparently they never integrated it that well anyway. Yeah. Uh, again, just it seems unlikely that. Uber is going to buy Cart. Let's just make that but then clear. Why, why did this person do this? So that we could mention his name. That it's a possibility. It worked. Yeah, we got. He used the actual Maple Bear name. I always loved that. I know the old Maple Bear. Well, there you go. We just did that guy a total solid. Well, Maple Bear is up four percent on his. Uh, well, his hey uh, guys, uh, shares of Disney are up. Um, it's oh. worth, worth reminding people that there is a proxy fight underway at that company. Of course, they put out their 12 directors yesterday at Disney, and they did not include, as we knew, uh, both Nelson Peltz and Jay Rusulo, who are uh, trying to get seated on that board through said proxy fight. You know, we may know let's, as soon as late March, early April, you may get a meeting here um, at which we're going to see what the vote is. Some strong language in the proxy from Disney as to why they are not willing to consider either Peltz or Rizzullo. On Peltz, they say, listen, we don't want him, but we certainly are open to having chats with him anytime he wants to talk. Uh, and they said the board has an open door and an open mind if he were willing to present his ideas to the board, not as a board member, but simply as an uh, important shareholder. He hasn't taken them up on that. And then they, they kind of go after Rizzullo here. Remember, he'd been the CFO, he'd run the parks it's some time back. But they point out that after leaving Disney eight years earlier, media business, the impact of technology and the competitive universe has radically changed, rendering his, meaning Jay Rizzullo's, perspective on Disney stale and not relevant to the challenges of today. They Cheap also, shot, they huh? They also mentioned his close relationship with Ike Perlmutter. Remember, much of the stake that Tryan is working with here is actually Perlmutter's ownership. Um, and they go on to point out that his close relationship with Perlmutter, coupled with him having been passed over in 2015 uh, to become uh, CEO, um, uh, or CEO successor would likely inhibit Mr. Rizzo's ability to work constructively with Mr. Iger. I wonder whether Nelson Peltz is happy with that salary package of Bob Iger. He got a raise. It's mostly stock. Yeah. Mostly stock. Right, that's true. If he gets yeah. the stock up, so he get, he'd right, be he very gets happy. It, right, you have to account for it now, but it, it's, it's on the come. But yeah, it was twice what he had last year. Right. Well, 31.5 million is what it's valued. Probably working harder. He's working hard, maybe harder than he thought he would have to. Yeah. Yeah. But I, He's got but a couple I, of years to go. We'll see. But remember, this is, remember, apropos of the Maple Bear merging with uh, <laughs> DoorDash, big merging with Uber and DoorDash and two, this NFL story. 
keep it alive, David, that Disney may be doing some deal with the NFL, or is that just fatuous? No, I listen, I there are those who sort of try to understand it from the perspective of why the NFL as a league would want to own one or at least part of one of its distributors. Does that in some way impact its ability to negotiate with other distributors for its product? That said, if you can contribute the NFL network instead of cash and get some sort of value for it into ESPN and then own something there, maybe it makes some sense. Um, these, these talks overall for a strategic investor in ESPN do continue. I've heard of the leagues. I think I've shared that. Verizon's another name that's come up a lot. We'll see where we end up, Jim. But if you're just talking to the board, I know that someone like Nelson Peltz is not going to be really happy, Carl, by saying, you know, on a speakerphone to the board saying, I don't like it. I mean, if you're in the room, you can make change. I think if you're just talking, well, that's the Heisman. Uh, there's a lot of issues around that. Uh, box office and studio uh, resurgence is one. AFC yes. gym, new all-time low, uh, 413. As wow. uh, as we had the other day, Goldman trimmed their domestic box office forecast for the year. Yeah, I think that that ship really sailed. Now, you know, remember Adam Aaron, who went to Abington High School, Galloping Ghost, now maybe just Ghost, with Schwartzman and Jeff Sonnenfeld, uh, did make it very clear uh, when he sold stock, that he sold it because he, for, you know, you know how you say it when it's for yes. uh, his purposes. Diversity, diversification, diversification purposes. But it was good time, good oh, time to was, sell. Was, it was always a good time. Right? The, the meme stock craze, though, saved the company. I mean, without that. Oh, the meme stock. And the what? ability to sell stock at market and just continue to sell stock, not we're, to mention, I mean, obviously they took on a lot of debt. We're getting the, near uh, the anniversary the of that well. farce, remember? Say again? We're getting near the anniversary of the farce of GameStop and AMC. We're almost there. Oh. Maybe we do a little, maybe you do a little you know, kind of jig or something, a little dance. I don't, I don't. That no? would be, that was 21? 21. 21. Yeah. So yeah. Diamond Hands, New Jersey, NFTs. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's kind of ramping up. Ryan Cohen. Ryan Cohen. Ryan Cohen. Ryan Cohen has not done as well. But no. He was well, able to do that really he clever. Bag? He bagged. On Be- bed, bath, bed, bed, right. yeah. No, he didn't bag anyone. What he did was made a move that was really good for him. <laughs> Not that it's all part of the same uh, silo, but Diamond did talk about Bitcoin today yes. as well on <laughs> Squawk Box. Said it was the last time he's ever going to address it. Take a listen. What do you think of the, I mean, there's a, about a dozen big financial companies, Fidelity no, included. No, number one, I don't care. So just please stop talking about this. <laughs> and and I don't know what he would say about blockchain versus currencies that do something versus Bitcoin that does nothing. It may be that not different than me. But, you know, this is what makes a market. People have opinions. I, this is the last time I'm ever going to state my opinion. He did say it's a free country. You can do what you want. He also said, though, that if these nefarious use cases are not addressed or fixed, he thinks the government potentially one day would have to shut it down. No. Uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, what's interesting is I remember when I tried to get my Bitcoin moved to J.P. Morgan, they were certainly willing, unwilling to take it. But now it's in some form that they don't have to worry. I guess it's OK. But I did think his, the way he was adamant about not talking about it, he better be a man of his word. And every time he's asked, he should say, I addressed that. I addressed that on January 17 on Squawk Box. I'm not going to talk about it. He should just do that. But no, he's like capping a well. That's yeah, but it. He can't resist. He likes to talk. 
He loves to talk. He loves he's, to and talk. He's, and he's fun to listen to. He really is fun. But maybe he will stick to that. No more discussion of Bitcoin. I mean, we do know where he stands at this point. I don't think the question needs to be asked any longer, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I like the fact that he's willing to speak his mind and he's not seemed to be... He, he doesn't, he's not worried about the lawyers. He says no, whatever he wants. No, he's, did he need always, to curse, David? Did he need to go well, there? It, was, it added a little spice to it. He's always a good interview because he actually is one of the few chief executives who's not... Uh, the founder, so to speak, right. who feels free, I think, or to speak the, his mind. in the lineage. Yeah. Maybe the son um, could. Where, you know, oftentimes my experience has been it's those those types who, who don't worry, right. don't have corp com or their general counsel in their ear or anybody else. Yes. I, Jamie's one of them. Were you um, upset that he didn't quote Princess Bride? Sure. Sure. I always like to hear a little Princess Bride, even if it's quoted, misquoted. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, we're referring to the interview of a lifetime, which is David's interview with Elon Musk, uh, yes. where Princess Bride came up. A fabulous movie. Well, but there is man, a man, of course, of Mr. Musk, uh, he never misses his who show. does not worry about what anybody thinks about what he has to say. He's just going to say it. So. And the other, uh, the other bankers, how do they feel? If you ask them a question that's a little off message, how do the other bankers react? They, 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 they stay on message. Yeah, it's very interesting. They say very. It's very interesting. Jim, uh, not a lot working today. Uh, no. All sectors red. Uh, you got 1% declines oh, nasty. in communication services, Jim. Uh, consumer discretionaries in there as well. This is the downturn. I mean, we've been saying there's going to be a downturn for uh, the investing club, and we have not looked right. Uh, we've raised a lot of cash, and today, this is the first day that's broadened out. I mean, yesterday, again, the NASDAQ did rally at the end. I don't think they can do it this time. And look, I just think the market went up so much at the end of the year. And, and people acted as like, okay, well, now it's just going to continue because it's an election year, so therefore you own stuff. I mean, look, I like the election year thought, but not this early. We're too early on to, you can have a down move and then go up as we get close to the election, but we, you can't defend right now buying by saying, you know what, we have an election, let's just go buy some stuff. Right. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it. We're not done uh, by any stretch today. We'll get Beige Book, NAHB, uh, a bunch of Fed speak this afternoon. Quick reminder, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club. Just sign up and find out more at cnbc.com slash join the club, or you can use the QR code on your screen and it takes you right there. As we watch bonds, we'll see if the 10-year can stay in this range that it's been in for about a month, but about 410 kind of gets to the higher end of that range. We'll watch that as we look for Barr, Bowman's out, and Williams at 3 o'clock today. Be right back. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. One of the great untold stories of this year and the end of last year is the fact that marijuana, cannabis, is now the preferred way for people to get high who are younger. It's starting to impact these stocks. Diageo, again, reiterates sell Deutsche Bank. The numbers are just terrible here. And I think people have to recognize that it's not just dry January, but it's damp January. And that extends to February and March. And I'm not even talking about the fact that GOP-1 make you feel awful after you've had a few drinks. So this is something that has to be watched. The uh, uh, bourbon, there's way too much bourbon. There was a giant wave of barrels that were brought in. Rich people were making bourbon. That is also collapsing. Uh, five, there's 50,000 brands. Only 500 make money. And Diageo, I think, is front and center of having way too much inventory. I don't want to own that stock. No way, no how. Mm. This is, uh, you're talking beer, because you have been constructive on the beer business. Beer's different. Beer's social. Beer's social. And GLP not as effective in terms of, of dampening uh, beer desire. Uh, I know some people feel that Bud's not that doing well and they're moving into Boston, but it's it's really, it's bourbon that's really been getting killed. Right. Uh, whiskey, scotch. Scotch not doing that well. Used to be phenomenal. <laughs> not anymore. 
How about tonight, Jim? Okay, I'm looking at Bitcoin. I might have some, uh, this Bitcoin exchange traded product, not an ETF. That's different, but product. I know Larry Fink wanted to go into that and didn't get a chance to from BlackRock. We're going to analyze the kind of protection that you really get on this fund and whether it's, uh, whether it's as safe as you think. You know, now, I'm going to ask Jamie Dimon about it. Cause he, right? Didn't he say I wanna, he wants more inquiries about that? Yes, that? apparently he's very enthusiastic about talking about Bitcoin. Well, if he curses, my numbers will go up. <laughs> yes. So I'll just try to get him to beep, say. They didn't beep him out when he actually said no, it, right? No, because no. Part, I guess we beep him out now. The late George Carlin was great, wasn't he? I'm going to try to get him to say all seven. <laughs> all seven. It's cable with a ticker. We're allowed to curse. We are? Don't sure. you have to take it back immediately? Jim, we'll see you tonight. Uh, Week's just heating up here. uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. When we come back, David's got an exclusive with PayPal's new chief, Alex Chris, when we return. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.